Let's give Jesus all the praise this morning. Come on, he's worthy of it all. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Happy Father's Day. You call it Father's Day. We call it Dude Fest. So uh, here at the Refuge, that's what we've called it for the last seven years. And uh, that's what we're stuck with because that's what you started with. So um, in honor of Dude Fest this morning, um, I'm not drinking water like I normally do. I've got some, uh, some Eli's root beer here. And um, it came right out of the kegs that are out front. <laughs> Uh, because, you know, Father's Day and dads and all that. So um, we figured that frosty mugs were a little too expensive and a little extravagant. So um, we've got souvenir cups instead. All right. So like you go to the ballpark and you, you buy the souvenir. Anyway, this is the refuge souvenir cup. Everyone in the house gets this today. If you want uh, to, to participate in uh, Dude Fest with us, uh, we just want to celebrate all the dads in the house, and um, and that's one of the th- that's what we're doing to um, to honor them. You know, Father's Day is um, is a lot more is a lot different than Mother's Day. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, I was thinking about it this morning, um, and throughout the week, really. On Mother's Day, like the kids go to church with with mom. Mom wants me to go to church, right? On Father's Day, the kids stay home with dad. <laughs> Right. And, and that's kind of the culture that, that, that we find ourselves in. And, and so um, we just want to we want to celebrate all the fathers in the house. We know that there's some heartache that comes with Father's Day that really doesn't even exist with mothers and Mother's Day. Um, the reality of absentee fathers is real. And maybe your your dad was absent growing up. Um, let me, just, let me just tell you that there's a Father in heaven that loves you so much. We celebrate Father's Day because of the one Father that we all have that loves us so much that sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us. And because of that, Father's Day is really special. And I think you see how special it is with the world trying to take it away from us. I mean, the world's trying to take Mother's Day away from us, too. So the world's always going to, listen, Satan is a thief. The Bible calls him a thief. And he's going to try to steal everything that God wants to give us. And we're just not going to let it happen. So we're going to celebrate all the, fa- all the fellas in the house with root beer because it's silly and it's fun. And that's what we like to do. So um, if you want to, uh, please, get, please, listen, you're in the second service. So whatever we have left is on you, right? <laughs> we bought plenty of root beer for everyone today, so make sure that you get some uh, before you leave. Uh, my name is Adam Harold. Thank you so much for being here today. If, you, if you're visiting with us for the first time, if you fill out that card in front of you, I just want to send you a, a thank you card in the mail to say uh, thank you for giving us your time today. My beautiful, talented better, much better, like married up wife, like I married up, not her husband married up. She didn't marry up. Anyway, um, her name's Tanya, and she leads this church with me. We're a team. We do it together, and uh, I just, I love, uh, I love leading this, this community called The Refuge with her. Thank you so much for being here.
This morning, we are carrying on a series that we started three weeks ago called Evaluate, where we are evaluating who we are as a church. And as we evaluate who we are as a church, it's an opportunity to share with you who we are. And I think there's no better time to come to a church than when they're talking about who they are and who they want to be and who they're trying to be. And hopefully what I'm talking about will show you the culture that we've really that we've tried to build for the last seven years. And I think we've done a pretty good job to be accurate with each one of the the five cultural values that we have. When I started this process, I discovered this question. And the question is, does my value display a root or a fruit? And what I mean by that is if it displays a root, if the value stated displays a root, then it tells people who I am. But if it displays a fruit, then it tells people what I do. And listen, when you're starting a church, you're trying to create culture. And the way that you create culture is by doing, right? You do it over and over and over again. And so the five values that we have, 100% of them, and I have no problem saying this, they all display fruit. They all display what we do. But this series is to talk about the root of who we are, the root of what we do. And so we want you to understand who we are. We want you to see who we are and experience who we are, but we really want you to know why we do it. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. So who are we? What are our five values? Our five values are displayed on the window looking into the middle's classroom. On the outside of our building, um, we thought that it was uh, the best way to make it uh, almost impossible to see inside what the kids are doing, right? We want to protect our kids. Um, but we've also displayed these on our website under the Who We Are section. Um, so our five values are this. Number one, we'll be dreamers and risk takers, not settling for our dreams to remain dreams. I talked about that last Sunday. Number two is that we will, um, hang on, I got to look at it now. We'll be known what we're for and not what we're against. That's the one I'm talking about today, by the way. Um, We'll be known what we're for and not what we're against. Um, We'll be in our city and for our city, fiercely loving people that we haven't even met yet. We will laugh as much as we breathe, as uh, hard as we can stand, and a little louder than normal because we want some crazy people to come into our house. This is why we have root beer on Father's Day, right? (laughs) We want to laugh, we want to breathe, we want to laugh as much as we breathe, we want to be fun. We want you to celebrate coming into the house of God. Because so many times you go to, I'm going to preach this message now. This is, this is next week, this isn't this week. But so oftentimes we come to church and we think it's got to be stiff. And we didn't want that as a church. So we said we're going to celebrate, we're going to laugh, we're going to have a good time. And so uh, the, the next one is that we'll be excellent in all things because excellence honors God and inspires people. We hope that you leave here feeling inspired because what was done on the stage and what was done with your kids and what's done while you're in this building is being done with excellence. We want to be excellence, not just to inspire you, but ultimately because we want to honor our Father in heaven. We want to honor him and do our very best for him. And so in week one of this series, we talked about how we will be in our city and for our city, fiercely loving people that we haven't met yet. And the reason we did that week one, uh, when it's, no, it's number three on our list, is because really the list doesn't matter. That's one reason. But the other reason was because 
next week, like this coming Saturday, is June 24th. Can you believe that? Where in the world did June go? Like we're halfway through June. And so June 24th is uh, next Saturday. And um, June 24th is Wyndham Summerfest. And so um, Wyndham Summerfest, I told you in week one, we buy inflatable. Well, we don't buy the inflatables, but we, we rent the inflatables for the town to have an inflatable park. And then we provide the people to stand by the inflatables to make sure that no kids are jumping off doing somersaults and things like that onto the, um, onto the inflatables like they're not supposed to. And so um, we need people. The last I checked on Friday, this was on Friday, we had 63 spots to fill. That's a lot. That's a lot. So hopefully 63 people between the first service and second service scanned that QR code this morning, right, and went to sign up because all it takes um, is an hour, an hour of your time on Saturday, and then you can go and buy the fried dough and buy whatever else that you want to while you're there um, that all the other churches are selling. (laughs) There's a little flex. I'm sorry. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> you can go and support other places of business in Wyndham and, uh, and, and do the Summerfest thing and uh, just pray that there's no rain and things like that. So please, please, 63 people today. Um, this isn't a sales pitch, but please, please. I'm just kidding. Week two, we talked about Um, how we'll be dreamers and risk takers, not settling for our dreams to remain dreams. This value, the reason we named this value is because we want to be people of faith. This is a, like when you take a step to pursue a dream, you're saying, I'm gonna gonna believe God for this. And And so we talked about how Jesus is four different values, which we're gonna get into in a moment, but how this one was generational. That this... Dreamers and risk takers was generational. I told you last week we'd have a pop quiz this morning. Three words to sum up this message from last week. What are the three words? Does anyone want to say it? Anybody? You can say it out loud. Come on, we're, we're a talk back church. There it is. Commit yourself. He was in the first service. Commit yourself wholeheartedly. Commit yourself wholeheartedly. We said that if you want to pass your faith on to the next generation, it's going to require one risk. That one risk is to go all in and commit yourself wholeheartedly to Jesus. The problem is, I'm going to preach right now. The problem is we are raised in homes where parents oftentimes misunderstand who Jesus is And they commit themselves wholeheartedly to the law. And so that's when when parents, I feel like God's really giving me something right now. When parents are committed wholeheartedly to the law, the kids go astray. The kids don't, don't follow Jesus. Some of you were raised in homes that weren't committed to Jesus. They were committed to the law. And because they weren't committed to Jesus and they were committed to the law, you've gone astray and you don't want anything to do with church. 
Because what you had wasn't who God is. It was just a bunch of rules. Do this and do that. And if you don't do this and don't do that, then God's not going to love you. That is not true. Romans 8.1 says, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So when we fail, man, I didn't preach this in the first service. You guys are getting some bonus coverage. When we fail, the Father is there to love us in our failure. I preached that last week, and evidently some of y'all didn't get it. If you miss any of our other messages, you can go to refugemain.church slash message, and uh, you can listen to all of those. Also today, if you want to follow along in the YouVersion Bible app, um, all of the notes for today's message are available in YouVersion this morning. All right, so John chapter 4, you can turn there with me if you, if you would. John chapter 4. Today we're looking at the value of we will be known what we're for and not what we are against. We will be known what we're for and not what we, get, what we are against. Can I be honest with you? Seven years ago when Ty and I announced uh, that this is who we would be, this value got a lot of love. Everyone loved this value. In fact, I love this value because it would silence a lot of questions. When people would come questioning us about who we're going to be, as soon as we got to number three, we'll be knowing what we're for, not what we're against. Guess what? The questions stopped. All right, I know what I know. I, I know what I need to know now. You're telling me who you're going to be. You're going to be knowing what you're for, not what you're against. But here's the thing. On the surface, it sounds amazing, and it even, it even tickles the ears of some people that want to hear that, that we're going to be an all-loving church, right? But what does it mean? This morning, you're lucky because you get to know you get, or you get to, to hear what it means to be known what you're for and not what you're against. I love the story of the Samaritan woman at the well because I believe that it teaches us and it shows us how to interact with sinners. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But before we do, before we read it, let's ask God the Father to to join us in our conversation. Can we do that? Father, I thank you for being a God that loves us so much that you sent your only begotten son into the world to die for our sins, to rescue us. Father, to not leave us abandoned like so many fathers in this world have done. You don't leave us abandoned, but you rescue us with the blood of Jesus. A painful death that rescues me and pulls me back into relationship with you. Father, I pray if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you as their Savior, that doesn't have that redeemed relationship with the Father, that they would discover it this morning because the Spirit would reveal it to them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John 4, 16. 
says this. We jump down to verse 16. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. Now, we know what's happened. Jesus and his disciples are traveling to this city called Galilee. And on their way to Galilee, they must go through this town called Samaria. The issue, I talked about it last Sunday, was a lot of times Jews would go around Samaria to avoid it because they didn't want to interact with Samaritans. And so they would go around Samaria, but Jesus in the scriptures says he had to go through Samaria. The reason he had to go through Samaria was because he had to talk with this woman. And this is what he says to her, go and get your husband's. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. Oh, snap. And you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. I love that Jesus said, hey, thanks for not lying to me. Some of y'all have been lying to God. I'll just leave it there. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to, of worship? Well, we Samaritans claim that it's here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or that mountain or in Jerusalem. Verse 22, you Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship. While we Jews, we know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Listen to verse 23. But the time is coming. And indeed, it's now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For the Spirit, uh, for God is the Spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. When, then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Four values that Jesus displays in this passage. Number one, he is generational. We talked about that last Sunday. He is intentional. He is biblical. And he is relational. He's intentional. I'm sorry, generational, intentional, biblical, and relational. The value that we're talking about today is both biblical and relational. Both. Biblical and relational. I absolutely love that this conversation is in the scriptures. Because like I said a minute ago, I believe this shows Christians how to interact with sinners. Let me rephrase that. I believe this, script, this, this shows sinners how to interact with sinners. Because what we have to realize is that we are all sinners. Every single one of us. And at the core of being known what we're for and not what we're against, we are attempting to state how we as a church will interact with sinners. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
We have to understand that we're sinners too. And oftentimes, I listen to Christians get into arguments that they forget that they're sinners too. I'm not going to preach that. Not today. But let me give you today's big idea. The one big idea that I want for today is this. Being known what we are for and not what we're against is caring more about the soul than the argument. We're putting the soul before the argument. That's what we're saying we're going to do as a church. We're always going to put the soul first. That's what Jesus does in this conversation with the woman at the well. So let's take a quick look at his interaction with her. Let's take a look at the argument that she makes with Jesus, the argument that the woman brought up. But before we look at it, can I just point out how relevant this message is for today? I really believe that the reason God gave us this value is because he wanted us to be relevant, and boy, did he know better than I did. I see a lot of Christians interacting with non-Christians with the focus of winning the argument and not the soul. And it breaks my heart. This world is not our home. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're never supposed to look like this world. And I feel like Christians so long have tried to win arguments and not souls. I'm tired of it. So we'll be a church that focuses on the soul. Now let's look at the, at the conversation that this woman has with Jesus. We begin in verse 16 because I believe that this is where Jesus begins to reveal who he is to this woman. Verse 16 says, go and get your husband. I love that Jesus just goes right for it. Do you think everyone in town knew that she had five husbands? I, I do. I think that everyone in town knew that this woman had had five husbands and, and probably, um, they probably knew that she was living with a, she was living with a man that, that had never been her husband in the first place. I think everyone knew this. You know why I think everyone knew this? Because many scholars believe that she came to the well at noontime because that's when no one else would go to the well. In fact, going to the well was seen as social hour. It was where all the, all the, the women would be the ones that would go and get the water. And it would, when they would go and they would do the town gossip thing. I don't know if they did that or not. But they would go and they would, they would hang out with each other. They, it was social time. But notice, she came alone. You know why she came alone? It wasn't necessarily because she didn't want anyone else to go with her. It was because no one else wanted to go with her. Everyone in town knew she was immoral. So Jesus just goes straight for it. He goes, go and get your husband, she told her. He told her, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And you aren't married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly told the truth. Thanks for not lying. It blows my mind about this entire interaction. What blows my mind about this entire interaction is not once 
did Jesus say you are wrong? Not once did Jesus say you're living in sin. All he did was point out to what she was doing. She knew she was wrong. She knew she wasn't doing what she was supposed to. This brings me to this morning, I couldn't really think of a, a really good like, way to present my points, so I'm just calling them gold nuggets, all right? Sometimes, sometimes the scripture just has some gold nuggets, and I want to share with you some gold this morning. We're all walking out of here rich, right? Three pieces of gold, I don't know what that's worth today. Someone can do the math for me. I don't know what the price of gold goes for right now, but three gold nuggets. Gold nugget number one is the loving revelation of sin is enough to show people who Jesus is. I'll say it again. The loving revelation of sin is enough to show people who Jesus is. Look at the woman's response to what Jesus says. I'm going to point something out. She says, you must be a prophet. Now, let me say first, Jesus is so much more than a prophet. He is the Messiah. But no, acknowledging that Jesus is a prophet, be, acknowledging that he's from God, is the open door to him showing it, her that he is the prophet, that he is the Messiah. Sorry. So the loving revelation of sin was what opened the door. You must be a prophet. Verse 20. So tell me why it is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship, while we Samaritans claim that it's here on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped. She, this woman, she knew who Jesus was because he pointed out what she was doing. She at least began to think about who he was. And so many times we come into church and we hear the truth about what we're doing, and we begin to think to ourselves, who is this God? Who is Jesus? The loving revelation of sin will lead us to knowing who Jesus is. Gold nugget number two. G-nug is what we call it in the first service. The G-nug number two is in the face of conviction, we naturally deflect. In the face of conviction, we naturally deflect. Notice what the woman does. She brings up an argument. <laughs> Sound familiar? Jesus points out that she's living in sin. He doesn't say you're wrong. He just points out that she's, what she's doing, and she brings up the argument. She naturally deflected the conviction of her heart. Because that's what we do. Coming up at the end of our service in just a few minutes, we're going to have a moment where we reflect and we, we look at what we're looking at in Scripture today and what it means for us. And there will be people that will get up and walk out the door deflecting the conviction of their heart, not responding to it because that is natural. And Satan is a thief. And he will steal from you what God wants to do if you allow it. We won't allow it. 
That's what caring for the soul does. We, don't, we, we, we will do everything we can. We're not going to force it on you. We're not going to force conviction. The, the scriptures say that the spirit draws people to him, not us, not me, the spirit. But it's our natural tendency to deflect. So what disagreement does the woman bring up? What's it about? It's interesting to me. She's like, oh, so you're a prophet, huh? <laughs> what, what, what's it, like, where should we really worship? <laughs> if you're a prophet, then tell, her, tell me. You Jews, you say it's in Jerusalem. My people, we say it's right here in, in Gerzim. But, but what's the truth? She's like, if you're a prophet, then answer this question for me. She brings up this disagreement between Jews and Samaritans. But notice Jesus' masterful response. He goes on and he's like, listen, Jews, salvation comes from them. They should know who God is. But I get this tone with Jesus here that he's saying, but they don't fully know who he is. Salvation comes from them, but, but they don't really know who he is. And you Samaritans, <laughs> like you're just learning about him. And really what Jesus is pointing to is he's saying, none of you are right. Because then he goes on and he says, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Gold nugget number three. True worshipers, or true worship, is done in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Worship's a funny thing, isn't it? Christians have boiled worship down to one thing. What is it? What is it? Singing. You know what it is. We say, I'm going to listen to worship music. It's got a whole genre. <laughs> We, we've just made it singing songs. Worship is so much more than singing songs. Can I share with you my favorite thing that I studied this week? Every once in a while, when I, when I open God's word to, 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 to preach, God shows me something that, I'm just, that just makes me fall in love with him more. This week was one of those moments. The original word that Jesus uses for worship in, in this, this line, true worshipers worship the, the Father in spirit and in truth. The, the original word for, for worship is in Greek because Jesus didn't speak English, duh, right? The word is the word proskuneo. And, and in Greek, proskuneo means to kiss the hand towards one. To kiss the hand towards one in token of reverence. To kiss the hand towards one in token of reverence. Isn't that beautiful? To think that when we worship, we kiss the hand of God. I wish and I hope that at the summary of my life, that on my tombstone someday, 
it would read, he kissed the hand of God by the way he lived. Because worship is so much more than just singing songs. We sing at the beginning of our service to kiss the hand of God, but it's only a part of it. You kiss the hand of God as you walk out the door and you fellowship with each other and you ask each other, how's life treating you? What's going on? Let me be a part of it. You kiss the hand of God in the morning when you get up and you open God's word to spend intimate time with the Father. You kiss the hand of God when you're driving down the road and you're praying and you're talking to the Father and it doesn't matter where you're at. The woman wanted to make it about a place. But Jesus says, no, you just have to kiss the hand of God in spirit and truth. But there's a harsh reality there that the requirement of worshiping God, kissing his hand is done with two things. What were they? What were they? Spirit and truth. If we're going to kiss the hand of God, it requires it to be done with spirit and truth. So what does that mean? What does it mean to kiss God's hand in spirit? When we worship God in spirit, we're concerned with spiritual realities. The reality that our relationship with God is broken, that our spirit is dead. And the only way to, res to resurrect the spirit inside of us is by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. Our spirit has to be alive inside of us in order to worship him in spirit. Meaning that it has to be done with Jesus because he's the only one that came back from the dead to resurrect the spirit inside of me. Because before him, my spirit was dead. When I called on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved, that's when my spirit came to life. And when I worship God in spirit, I understand the reality that my relationship with God was once broken. But that also means that the Samaritan woman, at that moment, her relationship with God was also broken. Jesus knew that that soul needed redeemed. And he was there to offer her living water. But the second reality is that we have to worship the God in truth. We have to worship God in truth. So what does that mean? Well, that means that we don't get to make God up into who we want him to be. True worship means that we worship God according to the whole counsel of the word of God. According to what this says and not what this says. I'm pointing to myself. Because when I make God to be who I want him to be, you know what I'm doing? I'm kissing my own hand. For those listening on the podcast, I'm kissing my own hand and I look foolish. 
when we make God into being this being that we want him to be and not who we want, who, not who he truly is, we're just kissing our hand. But to worship God, we must do it in spirit and in truth. You know the interesting thing about truth to me? Truth is unable to be argued. If it is true, it is true. Period. It, it can't be argued. But yet we continue to argue about truth. Because we'll always argue about something. Because we'll always deflect. What's true is true. And you can't get away from it. Jesus cared more about souls than he cared about winning arguments. And that's what we're going to do at the Refuge Church. And by caring for those souls, we'll kiss the hand of God. Stand in your feet, I want to pray with you. Did you get something out of today? I'm glad three of you did. The rest of you can get some root beer on your way out. At least you'll get that. I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Because in this moment, we want to introduce you to the most important relationship that you can ever have. It's a relationship with God the Father. What more appropriate than on Father's Day to have your relationship with the Father restored? In a moment, we're going to open the doors on my right, the side doors. If you just wonder what your next step is, if you need prayer this morning, that door is now the place that you can find that. That's your next steps. If you need to sign up for baptism and you're not really sure how, someone in that room can show you how to do that. I can show you how to do that. Baptism Sunday is next week. I cannot wait. I have no idea how many people have signed up, but I cannot wait. True worshipers. When Jesus said, true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. I believe what he was saying to the woman at the, at the well was he was putting the ball in her court. He was saying, are you a true worshiper or not? And that's the moment that we all find ourselves in right now. Asking ourselves, are we true worshipers or not? Have we given our heart to Jesus, resurrecting that spirit inside of us to have a relationship with him? If you want to do that this morning, I'm not going to have anyone raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you to say this prayer with me in the most loving way possible. I'm not going to force it down your throat. I'm just going to ask you, do you want to come into relationship with God? And if you do, just say this prayer with me. Say, God, it's not magical. It's the belief. Say, God, I need you because I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. And because I've done wrong, my relationship with the Father is broken. But I believe Jesus was your son that you sent to this world to die in my place, to take on my sin, 
and I come to you and I turn away from my sin today. Make me a new creation. Forgive me for the way I failed you and help me live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, we want to talk to you in this in the room to my right. You can also fill out the card in front of you, drop it in the black box so that we can celebrate what God has done in your heart. Are you thankful that we have a Father in heaven that loves us? Let's worship him together one more time and then we'll be dismissed.